Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics. I'm joined by fellow consultant Liana Sangster. Hey, Liana. Hey, Dom. So... Thanks for coming into the studio this week. I've got a question for you, and it's something that's been coming up in a few debriefs I've been doing recently, and I think it comes up, it's a pretty common issue, and it's really around bargaining mm. in a debrief. So, you know, like, when people get feedback, it can be a bit of a shock and a bit of a surprise, maybe, and people kind of go through those, like, stages of grief kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, so denial, bargaining, shock, or, or anger all those stages. And so one I've seen a lot is bargaining. So kind of justifying the results or trying to explain them away. Have you come across that at all? Oh, every single time. Yeah, right. Yeah. When I say every single time, I mean, it's a, I think it's a really natural stage and it serves an important function. So in, in my early days, I noticed it and there's a part of me that struggled with it, I suppose, because mm. I'm thinking, hey, it's the it's just the data. <laughs> but, you know, here. easy for me, right? Because yeah. I'm not the one who's receiving the feedback. Yes. So, yeah, to answer your question, I see it a lot. And I think it's really helpful if you're debriefing people to be able to identify what it sounds like and then equip yourself with some skills and how to navigate it. Because it's very easy to, I think it's easy to do a couple of things. One, it's mm. easy to perhaps want to challenge the individual when they're in bargaining, like when the data is saying something and they're saying something different. That's one one thing that could happen. I think the other thing is we could want to move into accepting that what they're saying is true, mm, mm, you know, like colluding with mm, them. Mm. Yeah, okay, I suppose, you know, you are maybe rigidly following the rules and procedures because that's what your job requires. Uh-huh. Okay. And you could leave it there and lose a potential opportunity to really get some great learning. So picking up on that, because I think that's a great point, which is kind of walking, you're walking this line a little, right? Like mm. you've got to be careful that you don't kind of nail people too hard on it because yep. it's, a, it's, a, it's a shock response or, you know, it's a, it's a response. So they're just trying to process. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful how strong you come across, but also not buying into it yourself and sort of, yeah, colluding with them, as you say. Yeah. So... On your earlier point, you're like, you know, it's important to know what sounds like and how to navigate it. So if we mm. start with sounds like, mm. how have you seen it come up? Do you, have, do you have any examples? Well, yes. I think the most common one I hear, and if we think about someone who's receiving uh, feedback that feels confronting, the most common thing is that we go to explain it away by things that mm. are outside of our control. Mm-hmm. So it might sound like... Yeah, I mean, I think this feedback is a reflection of the business that I'm operating in and I need to be this way because, or it might sound like, yeah, I am defending my patch and, you know, fiercely holding on to my position because we have to in this team because it's competitive. Mm. And mm. if I don't do it, there's... You get eaten alive kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. And all of that stuff is fair and reasonable. And I think that's what it reflects is someone who's trying to process feedback that might feel confronting and they on some level are feeling a bit of pain Mm. and so we're like temporarily relieving pain by bargaining or justifying and so that's like it's important to know that when someone's doing it 
they're not necessarily making excuses, but they're trying to alleviate a bit of discomfort for themselves. Yeah, and that's right. like allow some space for it. Because they're trying to rationalise it a bit. So, ooh, yeah. you know, I'm come across as oppositional saying, well, I have to because in this company, in this team, in this, well, yeah. at that time, is another one I hear all the time is, well, at the time I filled this out, I was under a lot of pressure. This was happening. If I filled it out today, it'd be totally different. Yeah, that's another really common one. Mm, the time thing. And yeah, so... That's one I hear a lot. Others are, well, it's kind of justifying the style as well. Yes. Right? So, you know, what's wrong with dot, dot, dot? Yeah, what's wrong with being highly perfectionistic because it gets me the outcomes that I need? Yeah, yeah. Or another common one is the conventional one. I think that one comes up really strongly that being regulated and really strictly adhering to rules and processes is precisely what my role as an auditor is here mm. for or as an mm. occupational health and safety person. Mm. Yeah, very common. Very common. So so then, I guess, if, if that's kind of what it sounds like, and it can be tough in the debrief, because one, I often don't know the full story, right? So I don't always know what exactly is the situation of the team? What is the leader like? What is mm. What did happen a month ago? And you can inquire about all that stuff, of course, but you're getting their version of of that story. So you're never 100% clear of where exactly does the truth lie. And it's, I'd say, you know, there is some degree of truth in all of those uh-huh. statements as well. Mm. Like you say, you don't know. And there's a possibility that, you know, in order to be successful in certain organizations or certain roles, sometimes we need to dip into different behaviors potentially in order to be successful. So there's an argument for that. Yeah. So where do you go with it? So if someone comes and says, mm. you know, uh, in this organization, I have to be that way kind of stuff. Mm. Where do you go with that? I suppose if I, if I take it one step back to what we were talking about earlier, when I said it's a natural stage of like an emotional processing. So to first see it as someone creating some space to adjust to what is a new reality with a new input of data, mm. I'm reluctant to to move strongly, particularly if it's first session, like it's Mm, fresh. mm. I have learned to hold a bit of a space where bargaining is okay. And that's because there's a degree of feeling a bit helpless in that space. So if you look at the Kubler-Ross model, Mm. they would say, or she would say, that when you go into that bargaining phase, there's a couple of needs and ways that you can support the individual because what they're doing is struggling for meaning. Mm. The model says struggling for meaning and they need to reach out to others and tell their story. So you'll find that what happens is people might leave the room and actually go and kind of source different views or, you know, did you get the same feedback as me or go home to their partner and say, you know, I got this feedback, but, you know, it's kind of I need to be this way because. And so it's a process. So I guess I, my first thing is to allow a bit of space for that process to run its course. I think that's a great point because the whole, the whole idea of that change curve or grief curve or whatever you want to call it, is that it's a process and actually it's stages people need to go through yeah. and progress through. So it may not be helpful forcing them to skip that stage, yeah. you know, or, or compressing it so much that they don't really have time. So I guess recognizing that it is a stage yeah, and it's okay to pass through it as long as we don't get stuck in it. Yes. Right? And that's, that's actually the role I think that you play as a coach or a debriefer to help guide people through it so that they can make meaning of it. And you can do a couple of things, right? I mean, you can, the need at that point is there's a degree of emotional support required, Mm. number one, which is why we talk about this creating a space for individuals to reflect and feel comfortable why we spend time rapport building and looking at the relationship between you and your client, because that 
building of the relationship enables you to influence better, mm. I would say, once you've got that trust. There are things that you can do. And one of the things, if, if I've got, let's just say, if I'm in a second session with an individual, or I spot a window where perhaps we can start looking at different perspectives with this bargaining piece. The first step is always to sit with it and inquire a bit more. So as opposed to skip over it, if you hear someone say, I have to be this way for my role, that's an opportunity to keep inquiring. So tell me more about that. Tell me more about what, you know, why you feel the need to be this way. Mm. How's it working for you? How are you feeling mm. when you're doing it? Do you enjoy mm. it? And so just kind of broadening, it's like broadening the lens a little bit from what it feels like a bit of a fixed state to kind of mm. looking at what are some of the potential implications of that for you. Mm. So I think that's about getting a bit more perspective. Yeah, I often try bringing in something we talk about a lot in relation to the LSI is the situation plus thinking equals response yep. framework. Because essentially what they're saying is the situation dictates what I should do. That's basically what they're saying. In this situation, I have to dot, dot, dot. And so often what we talk in that framework is the situation plus your thinking, how you see that situation, how you interpret it. Do you, are those to really close together so the situation, you know, basically drives your thinking or how can we create some space between those mm -hmm. to actually choose, have the choice of, you know, how do we want to respond? How do we want to see the situation? How do we think? Yeah, it's spot on. That, that S plus T equals R model is stimulus plus thinking equals response is it's probably the model that I revisit the most yeah. with individuals because if I think about what I'm really trying to achieve here, it's that notion of choice, choice in thought, choice in behaviour, mm. and not being at the whim of the world around you. Because that's kind of what they're saying, because it's, yeah, it's it all outside, saying. right? And this yeah. situation and at that, that, at that time, at yeah. whatever. Which if you go along with that, what you're ultimately doing is saying you don't have choice. Mm. Like, I'm, you know, I'm agreeing with you, so it's risky. Mm. It's a very appealing as a practitioner to go there mm. sometimes to... To kind of empathise. So you, you have to acknowledge, I think, the felt state without colluding with the belief. You have to hold the belief strongly that there is always a choice. But pick your moments wisely around getting an individual to identify what they could be. And that, I think, is the key because it's the situation is the situation. Mm. Like, the company is like that. That a month ago, we did have this workload, right? We can take that as a fact. Mm. But there's still a choice. Yeah. So the situation... Situations will come and go and all that stuff, but you still have a choice, mm. right? So what? even if it is this overwhelming situation, you still have a choice. And so, so you, you it's might, bringing them back to that, I think. Yeah, you might choose as a technique to actually draw that up in a debrief and go, talk to me about the situation. What are the messages you're receiving? And actually write them down. You know, mm. like what are some of the, let's just go through the situation right now and then look at the T and, you know, what are some of the thoughts you have in response to that? So we kind of put it out there as something more visible to Yeah, to that's track. cool. I like that. I've never done that before where I've got them to actually write out, you know, what are the thoughts going through your head? Yeah. You and can then, do it even as they're, as they're talking to you, you can do it for them. Yeah, I think that's yeah. sometimes helpful because people say things that they're not aware they're saying mm, mm. to capture it in the moment. I like that. Can you then redirect of, you know, the build on that is then, you know, how could we see it instead? How could we think instead? You know, yeah. What's another way? And just becoming aware of it as a start that the thinking is something mm. unique to you. You know, this is how your current, this is your current state. I, I like that. I suppose the other thing, you know, it's again, picking your right time to explore the possibilities. So I'm thinking about a situation I was in recently with a client who, it was interesting, her response to the feedback was, I'm not seen as affiliative enough. Mm. And 
she said, I feel like that's because I'm expected to be fluffy and friendly Mm. and maybe there's higher expectations of me as a female to be this way. I remember Mm -hmm. hearing that thinking, oh, that's curious because actually all the data was suggesting she had a very high perfectionistic streak. And so what the feedback was actually suggesting is that she tends to take care of everything herself, but not actually necessarily involve others. But her interpretation was what some expected to just be friendly and fluffy and so go along with. So is that a with. bit of denial or something? Well, it, could, it could have been a little bit of denial, but there was yeah. a justification that there'd be a difference for uh-huh. gender. Uh-huh, right, and so right, right. after a couple of sessions, the way I navigated that situation was to accept that that, you know, let's, I'm not going to make you wrong about that. Let's just say that's a possibility, okay? Mm. Like put it out there. Mm. But let's look at what is the possibility to be gained if we were just to look at what this could be could be. You know, so if we were just to inquire about, if we were to strengthen some of this piece around relationship and collaboration, mm. what could be a benefit to you? Mm. Like, so just move into the what if state as mm. a, so accept that that might be their reality right now, but what would be the opportunity for you? What do you think? Because people do that often where, you know, with affiliative, they say, oh, I have to be nice and fluffy and whatever, which actually isn't affiliative. That's actually down the passive space. Yeah. Or on the other side, you know, if we want to grow achievement and I'm perfectionist, I say, oh, well, I've just got to drop my standards. Mm. You know, like this quite dramatic over-over-reaction or over-stating mm. of what it is to kind of take it to the extreme. Because it's a straw man argument that then it's like, well, are you saying I should be doing that, Liana? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, not what, it's not what we're saying. That's uh, well, actually what I talked about in the polarised yeah. Polarized thinking or black and white thinking. Yeah, which will be another blog. episode yeah. soon, yeah. <laughs> so we won't spoil that one. But, but. but your question is, how do you navigate the... Because it's kind of a justification. It's a some, justification, yeah. In some ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that all or nothing. I have to be one or the other. You know, always look at what's the third way, you know. Because it is, it's a, you can get yourself in a bind. I think the one thing to avoid as a debriefer is getting yourself in a bind where you get into arguing for something. And mm. so just try to stop mm-hmm. doing the arguing mm-hmm. for because it will... It never works. Yeah, no, yeah. It doesn't work. You know, possibly that, that could feel right for you right now, that it feels like an all or nothing. As a process, I'm always just, again, it's the same thing around that choice. If we're looking at something too narrow, narrow is right or wrong or black or white or task or people or fluffy or not fluffy, mm. we're not seeing the world of possibility in between. Mm. So mm. it's trying to move someone towards exploring the, the grey. Yeah, options. Yeah, exploring yeah. options. Okay, what else? What yeah. else? I had one just recently, or I had a couple just recently, where they were saying, oh, it's this situation that I'm in kind of stuff, you know, and they're thinking maybe, maybe I'll leave, right? Mm. Go somewhere else. I was like, cool. How do we make sure the same pattern doesn't repeat? Mm. You know, so, because it's easy to blame the situation or at that time, you know, so at that time this thing happened. Cool. So when it happens the next time, how are we going to deal with it? Yeah. You know, so it's that kind of proactive. So how, oh, if I had a clean start somewhere, I'd do it different. It's like, cool. How do we do the clean start here? You know, or how do we take the insights from that and apply it now? Well, it's a, you raise a really good point, which is let's look at other situations. I had a client once who, similar thing, I, I need to be in the power position, I need to make decisions unilaterally because we're short-staffed and this is the way this business runs. And if I didn't do that, we wouldn't get anything done. Another Mm -hmm. really common one, I have to move into dictator Mm. telling. And at one point I said to her, talk to me about what you're like at home. And there was kind of a moment of 
quiet reflection. We'd built up enough rapport and, you know, to kind of challenge her in a cheeky way. And she said, oh, yeah, I'd pretty much do everything at home too. Mm. And it's got to be done a certain way. And that's sort of, that's about shifting the situation Mm. because what you really want to do is get the individual to identify their own pattern of behavior because typically you have something that you fall into Mm. that's unique to you. Mm. And like you said, you could change a situation, but you're likely to fall into the same pattern of behavior if you're not really conscious of what you do. Yes. Yeah. So either looking forward or back or outwards so yep. into a different situation in parallel. Yeah. yeah so yeah, because it could be in the past. Yeah. Have you, have been you found a, in, the situ- been in the situation before? Can mm. you think of, yeah, definitely. So look in the past, look in the future. Yeah. Nice. Sideways. I like that. Yeah. Which is really, again, exploring, I guess not options in the same way, but exploring different situation so is it a is it a pattern or is it a one-off because mm. they're trying to say it's a one-off well is it and look it might be could we, be we don't know but that's why you asked the question it's just yeah it, your role really is just to keep exploring keep the possibilities open keep the reflection mm. going mm. and you know questions are always the best way to do that yeah inquiring going deeper mm. what else is there liana oh what else what else is there i feel like i've covered my list for now trying to bargain your way out of this or what? <laughs> <laughs> what else um, is there? Well, I think if we look at the key learnings from this, yeah. it's being able as a practitioner to be conscious of what bargaining sounds like. Mm. So just be aware of it and just listen for it. In the early days, what I would do is, as I realise this is a pattern in most debriefs, and not all of them, because sometimes we move into bargaining at different stages, sometimes we skip that stage altogether, it's not uh-huh. necessarily linear, uh-huh. but just become aware of what it sounds like in your practice and so that you can hold a space for it and sort of twig onto it when it's happening. And then it's just about being able to monitor throughout your coaching sessions how frequently we dip into it. I suppose if you're seeing it frequently, you might bring attention to it as uh-huh. another, another uh-huh. uh, option. And it could sound like I've noticed that we, you know, there's a habit of referring to the situation that in the situation is, you know, perhaps causing you to behave in a certain way. It's come up quite a bit. What are your thoughts on that? So you, sometimes you can look at the observing the actual behavior and bringing it to life in the room. Yeah. And just taking it on sort of directly. So I, I like that. So I think at the, at the start, we talked about you got to pass they, it's a natural reaction to getting some feedback, particularly feedback that surprises you. And so it's a process that people go through and that's okay. Mm. So it's not about not doing it, but it's about helping people move through it. Mm. So it's not buying into it too much. It's not, you know, excusing it. It's also not hammering through, <laughs> you know, and pushing through, but it's asking those questions, exploring the options, looking at the other situations, mm. looking at the situation and thinking, you know, are they really fused together or can we actually separate them out and helping them identify that? So what choices do you have in this situation and exploring those? And picking your time for those things. I think that is the art that comes with practice. Mm. You know, when is the right time to move into kind of a rational, you know, process of looking at it? And when Mm. is the time to hold them in more of a feel a felt state. Mm, okay, so I'm mm, hearing that's really hard for you mm, to to activate different behaviours in this situation. Mm, Sorry, I jumped in there. No, that's great. Go on. <laughs> um, so I love it. So it's it's really about recognise what it sounds like, and then a few tips to okay, how do we move through it? How do we help people with it? I like that. And I'm going to take away the one you had about the situation plus thinking. 
Again, actually writing it down, what is the situation? What is the thoughts running through the head? Mm, getting it out. Getting it out. I think there's something quite powerful about that because it's it's seeing it. Mm. You know, when you can see it, kind of name name it to tame it kind of stuff. Once it's out there, it's easier to to then tackle and talk about. So I really like that. So I've got a couple of takeaways. I hope listeners out there got a few takeaways as well. And join the conversation. So we post these on on Wednesdays on our LinkedIn page. And comment. So, you know, how have you come across bargaining and maybe what's been your approach to, to de- dealing mm. with it? What's worked? We'd love to hear as well. Yeah, so. I'd love to hear that. And maybe we can include a link to the Kubler-Ross model just as a, as a reference point for people to identify some of those. I mean, it's the stages of grief model, but it's very similar to what people go through when they get information that they don't, that yeah. they feel is difficult to process. Awesome. All right, we'll do that too. All right, thanks for your time today, Liana. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.